Hello everyone and welcome to today's episode of the Future of Learning. So in this episode we've got a special guest with us, Bradley Metrock, and we explore the concept of voice first and what it could mean for learning and development. But some just paint the picture to start with. So it's predicted by 2020 that 50% of all searches that happen on the web will do so without a keyboard. So voice and voice first technology is going to be really important for that. To give you a specific figure that Google have used, it was 20% in 2016. But since then, voice assistants like Google Home, Siri, Cortana, Alexa, and so forth are being used more and more in our day-to-day activities. So imagine in the world of learning and development, you currently today go through your mandatory compliance training through e-learning and you have to click next and you have to click next and you sometimes spend an hour doing it and it can be very boring sometimes with that in mind a lot of new cars are being built with voice assistants in such as alexa now imagine if you could take some of that training in your car as you commute to work taking my utopian thoughts aside adobe have recently acquired a, an organization that is focusing on voice assistants called SaySpring. so this is really interesting for what they're looking to do with that technology in the learning and development area this episode as i've said we've got bradley metrox so bradley is ceo of score publishing so they produce digital book world the Alexa Conference and the Voice of Healthcare Summit. So Bradley and the organization owns and operates the global podcast called voicefirst.fm, which has heard over 50 countries all over the world. So Bradley's a real expert on this topic and can provide us with some insights on what we need to do with Voice First, what is Voice First and what it's not, and some pretty cool steps that we can apply in practice before we jump into the show just a heads up my audio recording equipment failed so a shame on me luckily it was a voice first episode and bradley had all the gear to uh, record the show so bradley's got the pure audio quality i will sound like i'm on skype just a heads up thank you to bradley for his time i really really did enjoy this conversation i hope you guys leave the episode with more information on what voice first is and how it could potentially be used for learning and development i recall i've listened to a few few of the podcasts they're very interesting uh, for someone who's interested in this topic anyway and I think a lot of people from the learning and development sphere, if you like, maybe aren't considering the benefits of voice first and what it can do now. Um, and again, we'll come back to that. But one of the pro- podcasts of yours I listened to that stood out was the story of how you got, got to that. And it was a conversation you had with Gary V. And it was really from my perspective of following Gary V and listening to him talk about voice, I'm honest, that inspired me to embed one of my passions of learning development and the podcast itself but um are you able to share your own journey as to how you got to think actually i, I want to invest my time and energy into into voice absolutely yeah and uh you know gary vaynerchuk has always been generous with his time and generous with his insights uh, i think that's something that everybody likes about him something that has directly resulted in the cultivation of his large audience that he has. Uh, he's just a, a, a good person. And I had the opportunity to meet with him. So most people don't know, Gary and VaynerMedia have offices all over the, all over the globe. They've got offices in New York City and the, San, the Silicon Valley, the Bay Area, and, uh, and London. Uh, and they also have an office in Chattanooga, Tennessee. 
And the reason they have an office in Chattanooga, Tennessee, is the direct result of a friend of mine who has made a lot of money as an entrepreneur who got to know Gary well and convinced him to open an office of VaynerMedia in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it was the same friend of mine that told me one day, hey, look, Gary's going to be talking to some of our entrepreneurs. He's going to be in Chattanooga tomorrow. He's going to be talking in one of our programs. Why don't you come and check it out? You've been wanting to meet him. I said, shoot, yeah, sign me up. So I, I drove over there. It's about a two and a half hour drive and um, got to listen to Gary talk to these entrepreneurs. I was in the back of the room and and he did some Q&A as he often does. And I was able to ask him because at that point in time, we had done the Alexa conference for a couple of years and it had grown and I had gotten more and more interested in Alexa. We had publishing clients asking us about Alexa and how they needed to be leveraging their content in the Amazon Alexa ecosystem. And, uh, but we hadn't done anything with podcasts and I had thought about it um, over and over again. Should we do podcasts? You know, should we do a podcast? Uh, or has time passed us by? You know, are there already too many people doing podcasts? And to just add another one to the litany of podcasts, does nobody any service? You know, uh, I'll wait and try to catch the next wave when it happens. And so I asked him about that. And I asked him about Alexa, first of all, and he communicated how enthusiastic he was about Alexa and just a voice in general. And then after the event was over, I was able to ask him about podcasts. He said, look, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, start it today, right now. And I took that to heart. I was really motivated, you know, by the energy that Gary had and, and you know, just the can-do spirit he brings. And I went back to Nashville. I drove two and a half hours back right then after it was over. And I started Voice First FM that day. And that was April of last year. And since then, in the first year that it has existed, we've enjoyed over 100,000 downloads of our shows, which is about 99,998 more than I thought we were going to get, Lloyd. <laughs> and it's also quashing my, uh, my stats on my own podcast right now. So well done. Well, we never saw it coming. You know, we did it because we wanted to do it. And it, it did, yeah, it had some synergy and some alignment with other initiatives we were doing. Don't get me wrong. We didn't just do it to do it. Uh, we did it uh, for several reasons, but it's grown to such an extent, uh, thanks to many factors, you know, just the overall rise in voice technology and voice first technology. People are interested in this. They see the future. They see the truth in what's happening with all this technology. And you can't help but want to be around it, learn more about it. And that's why our audience uh, with Voice First FM has grown. And just to dovetail with you know, what you were saying a minute ago, sort of introducing Voice First technology, it's important, you know, it's still not as understood as it should be. When we're talking Voice First technology, we are not just talking voice-only technology, okay? So we're not talking no screen we're talking voice first. And so what we mean is rather all of these devices are the next generation of computers. We're talking about computers. We're talking about engaging with technology. And it, it, it stands to reason, you know, we've had Brian Romley on Voice First FM several times. 
he is who I consider the ultimate, and many other people, the ultimate uh, thought leader with voice technology. And I've learned a lot from him. He was the very first guest that we had on the Voice First Roundtable. He's been a guest on This Week in Voice. Um, you learn something every time you come in contact with this guy. Uh, he's a, a phenomenal source of information. And he consults with a lot of Silicon Valley companies. And he has said, and I've I, I sort of taken to repeating this myself, when we're born, all we have is our mother's voice. And then at some point after that, we develop an inner voice. And so it stands to reason that the arc of the evolution of computing will trend toward being voice first. That's who we are. That's, that's part of our composition and our, our human experience. And so to deny that um, really just is self-defeating. Um, and so many people see that, and, and it will become apparent to everyone else as we go along, that the ability to interact with computers with our voice is the way things are going to go. Now, that doesn't mean you can't use a keyboard and mouse. It doesn't mean you're not going to have a touchscreen. It just means that you're going to try to use that technology with your voice first, and you're going to expect very soon to be able to use that technology, uh, whether it's your mobile phone, your laptop, uh, your refrigerator, you know, whatever it is. You're, you're going to expect very soon to be able to talk to technology. And if you can't, it's going to be frustrating. Um, and uh, to whatever extent that gets the job done, that's great. If it doesn't, then get your touchscreen out, get your QWERTY keyboard out, and uh, use a secondary interface. That's what voice first means. First of all, I just want to say the story you told about how you got to do the podcast and heard from Gary and drove home straight away and did it, I think is, is a really unbelievable uh, story and just shows your passion and dedication right there. Um, so thank you for sharing that. So on, on voice first, you've already shifted my mindset to just thank you for people listening what would what does voice first look like in their day-to-day life today and how do you think over the next couple of years that will change oh i, I could name them all day um, <laughs> maybe the most yeah. common, the most common <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll give you i'll Alexa, give you maybe um yeah i can give you a few um because this technology is touching everything so I'll start with one of the guests that we had at one of the earliest Alexa conferences that we ran. And that was an executive working for a company called Ingram Barge, which has now uh, rebranded itself to Ingram Marine Company or something like that. And this company, it's a big deal here in the United States. What they do is they sell barges. They sell large shipping boats. And it's a well-known problem for captains of barges that there are too many screens in the cabin, in the captain's cabin, too many screens, too distracting. There's been accidents related to this. There's too many screens that all have to do different things that the captain's got to uh, read and evaluate in real time. And then the problem is magnified at night with all these screens lighting up the cabin and it, it diminishes the captain's visibility uh, there have to be additional tools put into place to compensate for that. It's a mess. And Ingram Barge had experimented with voice-first technology um, and specifically an Alexa skill. So, so an Alexa skill, that's a, Amazon's nomenclature for an application developed 
for the Alexa ecosystem. They had developed uh, some software that enabled the captain to, instead of having 10 screens, each one saying something different, that, that all of them need to be read, they cut that number of screens by 50 to 60% and installed uh, a, sp a, a specific type of voice technology, this Alexa skill, that allowed the captain to get information in real time that no longer necessitated having all those screens there. And so the captain was able to have a conversation with the computer rather than ga you know, gaze at all these screens. And so the captain was at that point able to keep his or her gaze affixed on the horizon and out looking at you know, the actual stuff in front of the boat <laughs> uh, rather than looking at all those screens. It totally changed um, the captain's experience just in the limited amount of uh, work that they had done with that pilot at that point, and it's since grown quite a bit since then. Uh, there are applications in healthcare where surgeons have their hands obligated to the patient on the table. And, you know, currently what has to happen uh, is the surgeon has to take the gloves off, take the scrubs off, completely come out of the, come out of the operating room, dictate some notes, um, and write some stuff down, or perhaps do some research if that's necessary, and then scrub back in, get the gloves back on, get back into the operating room, and resume what he or she was doing. I mean, that's just nonsense. The ability now of surgeons, and this is just developing as well, for surgeons to be able to have a conversation with the computer, engage with the computer, because that's what the surgeon left, left the room to do, is engage with the computer. Yeah. If the surgeon can engage with the computer uh, with his or her voice, rather than um, you know, hands on the keyboard, then you can keep that surgeon right there in the operating room where they never have to leave and they can receive stuff even more real time than they did before. You know, just, there's just, just on, on that one in particular, then sure. Those examples there in my mind, I can get that concept, but the, how the computer is working in those scenarios, is that an algorithm is, or is it reliant on um, artificial intelligent computer sources? Because the Google, I don't know if you saw the Google duplex, um, system booking a hairdressing appointment through voice a, a couple of months ago that was released. Oh, yes, of course. Are the computer systems reliant on AI? So, yeah, I mean, you're asking a great question. So the big secret of all of this, and it's not really a secret, is that the artificial intelligence that sits underneath all of this voice-first technology. So when, you, when you're talking about voice assistants, you're talking about Amazon's Alexa, you're talking about Google Assistant, you're talking about Apple's Siri, you're talking about Mycroft, which is a uh, more, much more private voice assistant that's made a, a lot of, gotten a lot of news for uh, how they're handling data security. You're talking about Bixby which is Samsung's voice assistant. You're talking about Cortana, which is Microsoft's. I could go on and on and on. There's well, a, it's good to hear. It's good to, I'm making notes. <laughs> yeah, there's a zillion of these things, and it's just going to keep growing. Yeah. So the, all of these voice assistants and the smart speakers, which are the hardware delivery mechanism, they are the front door. They are the metaphorical front door to artificial intelligence. Now, the big secret is that the artificial intelligence is not very intelligent. <laughs> it's and it's it's come a long way don't get me wrong but when people think artificial intelligence i mean the literal meaning of those words 
and the the intended meaning of those words is a uh, close comparable to a human being, uh, a human brain, um, a soul. Also, maybe I'll paint a picture of what learning looks like today and uh, sure. for the organization I work for and some of the people I, I know. So there's a couple of things. You've probably done some e-learning before. So you, you go to work to do your job and you get told you need to do mandatory training, which means you're sat there for maybe an hour going through some e-learning that in 2001 was really innovative and um, saved the company time and money. But now you become disgruntled because you know the content, you want to get on with your job. So in my mind, the benefits of voice first, not necessarily to replace that, but go back to your definition earlier, is provide the voice first option. So in, in my car in the mornings when I commute into work, to have the ability through, and I say that knowing that Amazon Echo is in a lot of new cars being rolled out now, um, I could have the option to listen to that training or even have some test questions through that. Monday. So that's one example. Another example is, and you may have seen this yourself, Riley, various augmented and virtual reality uh, training uh, platforms or products, I should say. And you pick up the control. And one of the challenges we have is some people uh, who may not have used virtual reality before, they might use a game controller, and sometimes they've not even used a game controller. So the ability to say, walk me through this environment or walk me through this particular part of um, the site for health and safety training. Actually using voice commands for the actions rather than going through it themselves. So that's how I envisage it in my, in my head. Does that resonate with you? And are you aware of anyone who's doing any, any excellent work within the learning uh, domain? It certainly resonates. And yeah, we've all had to sit through our share of learning modules and professional learning, you know, professional development stuff. <laughs> uh, and, um, and we're at a point now, you know, it's very well understood that for people to be at their best in their career and whatever their chosen profession is, you've got to always be learning. There's just no way around that. You, all, you have to be learning, and you can be reading books. You can be reading articles on the Internet. You can be reading scholarly journals. Uh, you can be listening to podcasts. Uh, there's a zillion different ways to do it, but you always have to be learning. And I think the other thing that we understand at this point is that not everybody learns the same way, uh, and not everybody learns best the same way. And it's ridiculous to have a e-learning um, session, an e-learning module that you, you as a company are expecting someone to do, you know, me as a CEO, one of my employees, and think that, um, that that module is going to serve everybody the same and uh, not be thinking about other methods of delivery and distribution of that, uh, that information. And at the barest of minimums, that's the potential and that's the promise of voice first technology here as it relates to learning it's simply another delivery mechanism it opens that content up um, to more people number one in more ways number two and there are companies that are already doing work to explore this many of them on the publishing side you know taking uh, it's on the mind of every publisher and it's going to be heavy at Digital Book World this fall. You shared a really good article on Twitter actually last night that I, I read through as well on this very topic. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. So, you know, this is, um, this is on everybody's mind, uh, how we take our existing content and bring it into this voice first uh, paradigm. And, uh, you know, the companies that are doing uh, learning content, you know, publishers that are involved with um, producing professional learning content, you know, whether it's the big companies themselves, like, for example, Southwest Airlines uh, will be at Digital Book World. And you might ask, well, why would that be? Well, because Southwest Airlines produces more material, more content inside and outside the company than most small to mid-sized publishers do. And Southwest Airlines has something called Southwest Airlines University, which is their enterprise-wide um, learning platform and um, employee engagement um, system uh, that they use for all of their e-learning. And they ha- they, they've got a staff of about 10 to 15 people that create content who literally write the e-learning and the professional learning content for them. And I know for a fact that they're taking a good look at how to integrate their existing content, which exists in things like Captivate, uh, and they've used iBooks Author for some of it, and they've used different systems for some of these different things, how to bring that into uh, and make it compatible and aligned with these voice-first ecosystems because they are the future. And in fact, speaking of Adobe, Adobe actually just went out and bought SaySpring, which was one of the earliest voice-first technology companies that I became aware of. They were based out of New York City, and they've got some very interesting tools that relate to the voice-first way of doing things. Uh, Adobe just bought them, and they're going to integrate SaySpring's technology across all of of Adobe's various tools and uh, and services. So this is something that you're going to be seeing more and more of in, in learning, specifically learning, uh, and whether that's you know, learning as a student, whether that's learning as a professional, it's irrelevant. Um, the reality is that this technology can open a lot of new doors, and that's exactly what it's going to do. Now, let me paint another picture for you, too, before I get off this little soapbox here. No, it's good. You carry on. Um, so let's say that, that I am mandated to do some tra- some training. I'm an employee somewhere. I've got to do some, uh, some continuing education or some learning, um, or whatever you want to call it, whatever the deal may be. So I'm going through, we've all done this. We're going through these slides and we're looking at the content and we've got to take a test at the end or something like that. Now let's say that I get into that. Uh, module, and I think you know what this slide is talking to me talking to me about some stuff, and I really don't know what it's saying. I must have missed something now, the very inefficient way that that has to be handled right now is you have to go back through previous slides to find that that thing that you missed, either that uh, vocabulary term you missed that's causing you to not understand that where you are currently in the module or that conceptual piece, you've got to go back and, and locate that slide by slide. It's very inefficient. With voice first technology, we can just simply ask, hey, uh, I, you know, whatever the name of the program is, I don't know what this term means that's here on the page. Can you tell me what that means in the context of this module? And it can give a response. And whoever the developers who have put it together 
can have arranged for the module to be able to provide basic verbal responses in lieu of a full-on artificial intelligence. Now, as artificial intelligence grows, the need to have been, for the developers of that learning module to have been so proactive in thinking of what might this person ask um, will decrease, uh, and the artificial intelligence can, can take over. But the, the overall point here is that being able to speak and have a dialogue with a computer, uh, and specifically with these e-learning modules and the professional learning that we're expected to do as professionals, will open a lot of new doors for all of us. That is critically important to anyone listening from learning and development because one of the there's a thing choice fatigue. So there's too much choice, or there's too much information, and sometimes you need the information right there and then. And in some instances, to use your scenario, that person may have five or ten minutes to go through that slide, and it's going to take them five minutes to find the information itself. So having that information to hand is at pace is also critical to not only the individual because of their motivations and that they'll come back to your learning environment, which is a challenge. But actually to the, you know, to the organization, it's going to save time, which is going to save money. And Lloyd, one of your questions leading up to this show was, what does a good learning experience look like? What does a great learning experience feel like? And I think for me, the way I would answer that is, at least this is part of the equation, the freedom to make mistakes. In order to have a great learning experience, you have to have the freedom to make some mistakes. And in the scenario, because that's all how all of us learn. Um, trial and error has been part of humanity since, uh, since we showed up here. And, and, um, and so from a, from a learning module, a professional development standpoint, the scenario I just described where you get into a learning module and you're two thirds of the way through and you realize you don't have any clue what this thing is talking about and you've got to go backtrack and, and find what it is talking about. That's not a lot of freedom to make mistakes. You just made a mistake. You somehow you missed something and it punishes you severely by you having to backtrack and locate that and do the whole thing over again. Basically the freedom to make mistakes increases a lot when you can have that voice first interaction that I'm talking about, either through a um, preconceived um, database of information that the developers have set aside, or better yet, and in the not too distant future at all, speak to a AI, which has been informed through machine learning on, hey, you know what? There's actually a decent number of people who get two thirds of the way through this thing and don't have a clue what's, what's going on. And so we now are anticipating that a little bit and we can answer the questions better when people do stop and ask and have to catch their breath a little bit uh, in order to complete this learning experience. So it's an exciting future ahead of us and that's just uh, one glimpse into it. So I've got a specific thought process in my mind and it's as follows. I don't think a lot of people in learning and development are thinking about voice first. And I didn't say everyone, I said some, if you're listening to me and you're ready to give them the keyboard. But I do wonder that we don't have the information on how to do very quick and basic things. So we mentioned Gary V earlier, and he's mentioned how easy it is to create an Alexa skill uh, in, in various posts and in, in his book. 
my younger brother is also a developer and he talks about their developers frustrations with the um the amazon service for coding because it's very restricted which in turn for us dummies and uh, people like me who are new to it it should be relatively easy my concern with learning is that an organization oversells how difficult it is to make an Alexa skill for learning, so assuming that someone wanted to take a specific action today to try it out. Do you think that's a fair reflection? I guess my answer to that would be that one of the great things about where Alexa, this is specifically related to Amazon's ecosystem, what I'm about to say, is that Amazon has pushed the ecosystem so far, so quickly, that there exist um, a number of different options for creating an Alexa presence right now at all, at all sorts of different price points. So Alexa has produced, uh, excuse me, Amazon has produced something called Alexa Skills Blueprints, which is a technology, it's a tool set that Amazon has published and they made it available to the public where anybody can, uh, without knowing how to code, can produce pretty functional Alexa skills. And it's on the order of complexity of, uh, I mean, it certainly isn't any more complex than some of these uh, e-learning uh, software suites like a Captivate or, or, or something like that, or, or even like, um, you know, iBooks software, which I referenced earlier, which is Apple's tool. Uh, it's not any more complicated than that to use. And so if there was a question that an organization had about budgetary concerns or are we going to dive into this and find that uh, we're in too deep and we don't know what we're doing and we spend a bunch of money and we're obligated to spend more, you can circumvent all that by simply having somebody do a little bit of R&D with one of these free solutions. Storyline is another one, by the way. Uh, that's a great uh, tool that's very inexpensive to use. In fact, it's free uh, for some of the usages where you can sort of stick your toes in the water and, and uh, better gauge the scope of what you need to be doing and what money might be involved. Above from that, there are a number of developers out there and Amazon has anointed some of them uh, Alexa champions, some of these individuals, and they've got preferred developers that are on their site, companies that do that work. And um, those prices are, you know, generally in line with web development or other tech development. It's not anything that's more than that, but uh, not everybody's going to need that. And to better assess if your company does need that, you know, diving in with some of these free tools is a good way to start. So the point that I'm trying to make here is that if a company is afraid of the expenditure that it might put out to dive into voice-first technology, there are actually some pretty good ways right now today to sort of mitigate that risk. It's, for me, another example of how people in learning and development in specific roles, and also teachers, you know, the, the ease of how you describe to make one of these uh, skills negates the need to maybe create a session plan or do a PowerPoint or create other e-learnings. It's an evolution of their role, essentially. Sure, it absolutely is. And in fact, at the, the previous Alexa conference that we held, we had, um, as I, I think it's very important to have, we had a public school educator from the area come and speak as part of the program amidst all of these, you know, uh, big wigs and executives and developers uh, was this educator who taught eighth grade science 
And she had worked with her students on developing an Alexa skill and um, had done some other stuff related to IoT. And uh, that was a fascinating perspective. And once again, you know, at, at the, ne- the next Alexa conference we do, and probably everyone from this point forward, will have somebody who has either been in the classroom or who is specifically in charge of professional development for a company share with us uh, experiences about related to the pros and cons and the strengths and the challenges with implementing um, voice technology, voice first technology um, in those sorts of environments. So if someone's listening and they're thinking voice first, I'm going to get in it into this today and they're going to take an action. What, what tips would you give them to start their journey? And maybe, maybe one or two tips to be aware of. Yeah, so I would uh, I pull a Gary V, a Gary Vaynerchuk, and and I think what he would say is just just do something, just do do something. And for where we are with voice first technology right now, the easiest and you know the path of least resistance to doing something is to create your own Alexa skill. Uh, or you can create your own Google Home Action. Google's got some tools out there as well. Uh, they're just not as defined at this point as Am- as Amazon's are. You know, if you download or if you go on, you Google Alexa Skills Blueprints, I guarantee you, you will find the information you're looking for there. Or if you Google Storyline, the website for them is getstoryline.com. Either one of those, um, if, I, if I were doing this myself, if, if I were talking to people right now who are looking to get into it and just uh, learn more, um, that would be the step one, is to go one of those two directions and start to dabble with it and see if you can put together an Alexa skill, because trust me, uh, you can. It's not that hard. I'm going to take the action there. I'm going to actually go to the Alexa skill uh, blueprint uh, webpage, and I'm going to do it myself and well, and once you do it, then uh, tweet at me and tell me you've done it, and I'll check out your Alexa skill. Yeah, wait, wait October 2019, that tweet is coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, quick fire questions now. We've done the first one. You've explain, explained your great learning experience, and I think it was quite open. You like to learn, make mistakes, and by doing, and voice first will uh, enable that. So, two other questions, and I added these in late, so I apologize because you may not have even prepped for them, but they're quite easy. Where and or what are you reading about your topic right now? Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, a lot of learning I do on the topic, uh, there's a great website called voicebot.ai. It's a great news and commentary site. They do their share of original research as well. Brett Kinsella uh, will be speaking at the Alexa conference. He runs that website. Great guy, great source of information there. Uh, Encourage people to check that out. On the podcasting front, Voice First FM, yeah, it's ours, but it's it's best in class. It's a fantastic place to learn information about everything that's going on. There's some other books, too, that have been published at this point. One is by uh, Dr. Ahmed Bouzid, uh, who runs Witlingo. Uh, if you search for his name, you'll find his book, uh, the name of which escapes me. And then there's another book, I believe it's called Conversation Design, written by a woman named Erica Hall. Both of those are sort of the gold standard for books. Oh, and also Kathy Pearl, who now works for Google, wrote a book that was published by O'Reilly Media. If you search for any of those three people, you'll find their books. 
Um, and also, they're just good people to follow on Twitter, all three of them. You've mentioned a few names there who you'd follow on social media. Are there any others you draw to our attention? Oh, yeah. I think number one is Brian Romley. Uh, I, like I said at the beginning uh, earlier on the show, uh, to me and many others, he is the ultimate thought leader on voice first technology and he's got his hands in a number of other types of technologies well versed in cryptocurrency and um and some other topics he's just a fascinating person to follow um on many technology fronts not the least of which is voice first technology if you could change one thing about your particular industry what would it be my company sort of sits on the intersection of a few different industries if i had to say something about publishing you know, publishing is a really um, old guard sort of industry. It's it's very conservative in how it moves. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But often publishing is slow to adapt and adjust to new technologies. And this is a situation where I think there's a lot to be gained from publishers, no matter what type of publishing you're doing. Uh, there's a lot of potential benefits to be on the forefront, on the vanguard of what's going on with voice first technology and to be current with it. Um, so if I had to change something, I would say maybe, you know, that the industry as a whole has more of an open mind to how technology can improve operations and marketing and, and cash flow and some of the other aspects of their organizations. In terms of these companies, like the, the, the tech juggernauts that we align with, with some of our live events and Voice First FM, you know, I, I, I hope that they are being vigilant um, with our data, uh, because if they're not, then they're going to set back Voice First technology a lot. If, if Amazon and Google are not being very careful with how they're using the data that these voice assistants and smart speakers are collecting, then they're just going to blow a hole in the foot of this whole thing and set this thing back. And I hope that that that's not something I hope that they change necessarily, but it's something I hope we never see. I think that's a really good point because as we learn, these things always come out eventually if they're not. Sure. Thank you for your response there. So we've gone through some of the um, sites already of how people can reach out to you. And I'm going to share that um, when the podcast is ready to go out as well. How else could people get in touch with you yourself, Bradley? So the easiest way to get a hold of me is just to email me directly. Uh, and my email address is Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y, at SCORE Publishing, S-C-O-R-E-P-U-B-L-I-S-H-I-N-G dot U-S. Uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, it may take me a little bit of time to respond, but that's the easiest way. Also, I'm on Twitter, at BMetRock. Um, I'm on Twitter probably more probably more than I should be. Um, you know, I, I, it's an easy place to find me and engage with me there if you want to do that. So those are the two easiest ways. But Bradley, I just want to thank you again for your time for this episode. I think the topic is going to be of real interest to people listening, and I've certainly learned a lot. So thank you very much. It's a privilege. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to, happy to be part of your show. Guys, thank you for listening to that episode and thank you to Bradley for his time. I hope the episode itself helped you to understand voice first and how it can be used for learning. As always, I know there's so many podcasts out there and you've given your time to listen to this one. So thank you so much for that. If you want to get in touch and because it's a voice first episode, please, please, please give some feedback in a voice format. So if you're on the Anchor app, 
which I know a lot of my listeners are. Send me a message with your thoughts on there or the open challenge is to try and get some voice first feedback to me. Next week, we've got the brains behind Kahoot and we're going to be exploring why Kahoot is so good from a user perspective.